sprung on me this week that um, they were going to leave early this morning because I think the temperature is like hot, 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 hot there. And so it's a little easier on them to fly in a little earlier. And besides that, he speaks like first thing tomorrow morning, I think. So uh, we can be believing with him, but believe with me. So um, y'all maybe won't be too quiet on me today and help me. Y'all always do help me, right? All right, all right, good. All right, well, um, I've got some things on my heart. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about, you know, salvation and being saved. And and um, uh, I want to kind of go on a little bit further than that, kind of what happens after you're, you're saved, you know. Do you kind of just sit down in the chair and come and let me and Brother Keith just preach to you every week? Thank you. I was waiting. I was waiting to see if he was going to help me or not. You know, um, let's put up this this verse here. Wait, let, before we do that, let me ask you this. How many of you have been saved over 10 years? Good. Good. That's what I wanted to see. All right. Let's put up. The, how many of you have been saved over 20 years? Oh, even better. How many of you have been saved over 30 years? Oh, we're getting there. Good. That's what I thought. Okay, that's just what I thought. The Lord is so smart, He already knew all that. All right, put up for me, if you would, Revelations um, chapter 2, verse 1, the New Living. I don't usually use this one, but I thought it would... I'm not going to read uh, all my scriptures today. I may just tell them to you, you know, because I'm not the line-upon-line teacher that Keith is. Sometimes I'll just say it. Yeah. And you'll have to believe me. No, you you got a Bible. <laughs> Right? And you can look it up. Jot it down. Look it up. Okay? Um, but this is Revelations 2, verse 1. All right. Um, write this letter to the angel um, of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks along the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work. So take this like he's talking to you. Okay? This is revelations. This is the end of times. Anybody been sensing it's getting closer to the end of times? Yeah, it kind of has seemed that way to me too with all the things that are going on. I have seen your hard work and I know your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. And you've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without... See what I just said up there? You're going to stand forever. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. Keep going. But I got one... Just one. Now, you know that's pretty doggone good when he's got just one complaint against you. Right? Okay, thank you. When he's got just one complaint against you, You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Read that with me. But I have this one complaint against you. It didn't say one, but that's what it says in most of the translations. It says one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, how many of you have heard my testimony about when I first got saved? I'm going to say about half of you. Well, when I first got saved, I was raised or reared or whatever your proper English is in the situation, Catholic. You know, confessional every Saturday, go take communion every Saturday night, Sunday some people, um, but my mom had three little girls, and she didn't want to get them up early on Sunday mornings ever, so she, we did it on Saturday night, afternoons. And um, we went and didn't understand anything that was going on, but we sat there through the service, and Mama pinched us or slapped us and told us to be quiet and be still. And then we walked up, and we received our communion, and we went home. Anybody else do that? 
Yes, several of you in here did that. Um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then you went to confession on Saturday and didn't tell them anything that you did wrong. You just went in there and said, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been a week since I've been in here or two weeks since I've been in here. And I ain't telling you nothing I did wrong, but I'm here. Right? Anybody else? Okay. All right. Um, so long as we're honest, we're in church, you know. Um, God knew your heart anyway, you know. So, But anyway... Um, when Keith and I got married, we got married uh, two days after high school. Yeah, wow is right. And um, we were very, very young. But God had a plan for us. We didn't know it, but he had a plan for us. And uh, we had basically nothing in common, common except for God. We didn't know it at the time, but we didn't. And uh, so we started going to a church because he got hungry for God. And he would begin to just go out in the nighttime, and I'd wake up, and I wouldn't know where he was. And he'd be just out in the pasture somewhere just praying, you know. And he'd come back, and so we'd ended up going to, which his grandmother had gone to all of her life, and he didn't understand it all, but he was looking for something deeper than what just his normal church had. And so he went back to his grandmother's roots to the United Pentecostal Church. And they at least had the spirit moving in there where some people didn't, you know. And um, every church has its good points and some negative points. We got some negative points. No, we don't. Yes, we do. (laughs) Everybody has got good points and some things that they just did on their own. So anyway, we went there and... um, so he went every week, every week, mm-hmm. every week, every week for months. Every Sunday night, and we had work the next morning. The service would start, I don't know, 7 or 8 o'clock. And it would find us there at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, him in the altar, the ladies on this side, the men on this side, because that's the way they did it, right. and him praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this went on for months. Now, I'm a little Catholic girl. We had not been married very long, and I knew absolutely nothing about church. All I knew about church was, especially the Pentecostals, was my aunt married a United Pentecostal preacher, and my mother told me I would never be around anybody like that because when she married him, he made her throw away all of her makeup, all of her stuff and made her not cut her hair anymore and threw away her wedding ring and flushed it down the toilet. And I was never to be around anybody like that. That's all I knew. So I thought, what am I getting myself into? That's all I knew. But anyway, there he was going every night trying to be filled with the Spirit. But even in my immature babyhood state, I could sense there was some something anointing going on there. So one night I wouldn't even go sit up close to the front, and it was just like you've seen the the churches where they're just kind of like a shotgun church, and they're like you've got uh, pews, and there probably was like 20 pews on this side and 20 pews on this side, and one aisle down the middle. Okay, so I sat as far to the back as I absolutely could. I would sneak in in my pants because everybody else had on a dress, you know, and, uh, and uh, my makeup and sit on the back row and just sit there, you know, and wait for him to get done. Well, eventually I'd start wearing a skirt, you know, in and stuff. But um, so one night I really got tired of it. And so I went up to the altar on this side And, of course, all the ladies thought that I came for something for me. But I thought, Lord, whatever he wants, give it to him so we can just go home tonight. (laughs) Now, Catholics know God. I mean, we know God, you know, and we know how to pray. We pray a lot. So I just said, God, whatever it is that he wants, please give it to him. So we can just go home tonight. Because it was already like 11 o'clock and I didn't want to stay till 2 again. 
because we had work the next morning. And I said, but I went ahead and I said this. If there's anything in me that's keeping him from receiving what he needs to receive, I just give you my heart. Show me what it is. And instantly I was saved. I was saved. I knew I was saved. So they said, she's got to be baptized. Well, it's 11 o'clock at night. And by the time that they dispense everybody and everybody joins up, we go to this dirty, muddy pond, and it's January. Okay, and I had started wearing a skirt, of course, at that time. And ladies, hose. Yeah. So all I knew, again, my Catholic background, and I wasn't supposed to be around this stuff, was that the people that were driving us there that night said, just believe that when you come up out of the water, you'll be speaking in tongues. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about tongues. I didn't know anything about anything. Which sometimes is way better. Because I walked out in that water. The pastor was just standing there going like this, you know. But I walked into it and it felt like I had stepped into a warm sauna, bathtub. I walked out there and he baptized me. And when you go down in the pond, it's not like a baptistry. You're standing up. When you go down, well, my feet came up off the ground. And my whole body kind of just, you know, when you're floating in the water, you know. And my body kind of came to a level state. But when I started that upward motion, I mean the instant, I remember it to this day, I started speaking in tongues. And I was like a fish flailing in the water. (laughs) And the pastor yelled, she got it, she got it, she got it. And he told them, he said, I've never done that before. I always let people tell for themselves. He said, but I couldn't contain it. It was just, you know. But that's not even what I want to tell you about. What I want to tell you about is probably some of the same thing. You know, on the road to Damascus, what happened to Paul? He had a supernatural experience with the Lord, didn't he? Right. Yes, he did. And the Lord gave him a calling about what he was supposed to do. Well, instantly, without any teaching, Paul had no basic knowing what he was supposed to do for God. He was persecuting the church. I had zero teaching about what I was supposed to do for the Lord. Nothing. But instantly, something dropped in me, and I started wanting to go to everybody and tell them about the Word. Well, I knew nothing about the Word. I didn't know any scriptures. And by that point, Keith and I, my marriage was just barely hanging on by a thread. Because like I said, we didn't have anything in common. But I started preaching to everybody about their marriages. (laughs) It was good. Because in order to preach to somebody else about their marriage, what did I have to do? I had to learn about it. I had to get in the Scriptures and I had to find the Scriptures, what they said about marriage. And people, you know, will wait and wait and wait and wait until theirs is all fixed before they begin to minister to somebody else about something. They'll wait until they're healed before they begin to minister healing to somebody else. And the devil will hoodwink them and he'll keep them sick the rest of their life so that they won't minister to anybody else about marriage or that they won't minister to anybody else about healing or that they won't minister to... He'll keep you broke till the day you die so that you won't tell anybody else about prosperity. So I don't know what happened, but instantly I remember we had some friends. We said, what y'all doing? They said... Nothing. I said, we're coming over. I remember it to this day. 
They hadn't been married very long. They were having troubles too. How many of you, when you first got married, you found out it wasn't quite as easy as you thought it was? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit different than you thought it was. It wasn't all that just romance that you saw on TV and yeah. Somebody had to give in. And I used to tell it like this. My mama ran my household. Keith's daddy ran his household. And it was like you put two cats across a clothesline and they were going, just like that. It wasn't working so well. So we had to find out what the Word said about it. So I called him and I said, we we coming over there. So we came over there. And I remember I got her down on the floor, and we were looking at Bible scriptures. And we were looking at And I didn't know them, and she didn't know them. But we got the Bible out. And we started looking at the Word about what it said about it. They're still married today. But I started there, beginning to share the Word and open up the Word and minister it to people. Because I had a desire in me. And I knew that God was good. How many of you did that when you were saved? Raise your hand up. Shared with somebody something about God. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Raise it high. Raise it high. Raise it high. Keep keep it up just a minute. Keep it. Keep it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Now, keep it up just a minute. How many of you did that last week? Huh? Hands are going down everywhere. There's, mm, mm, mm. What happens is we begin to pull back from our first love. We begin to pull back from the things we knew. We begin to pull back from the things God showed us and the hunger that we have to help somebody else. But why? Why? I shared a couple of them a few minutes ago, but I'll share some more. Defeats. Defeats. Because you did share with somebody and something didn't happen. Or because you failed in an area and you no longer feel competent to share anything with anybody. Let's read this scripture. Let's read this. Romans eleven twenty nine in the Amplified. There's a few of them I'm going to read you because I think you need to know them for the future. Romans 11:29. For God's gifts and his callings are what? Irrevocable. Now that's a big word. But it says, he never withdraws them once they're given. He does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. They're irrevocable. If you got saved and he told you, share those verses with somebody, or you felt the need when you got saved to do that, he didn't take that back. He don't pull things back from... He's not like... Okay, hold on to your chairs, parents. He's not like some parents. When their kids mess up, I'm taking your car away. I'm taking your computer away. I'm taking your phone away. Either you gave it to them or you didn't. Uh Uh-oh, see, I stepped all over toes just now. God, when he gives us something, what does he do? It's irrevocable. He, he says, I will never withdraw it. Okay, there's, there's another verse. It says it in a different a translation, the message. I thought that was, this was really good. It says it this way. You got the message? Oh, that's, that's pretty. I didn't think I was reading that much. Okay, anyway. It says, 29, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Now, you understand that, don't you? You ever had anything you returned because it didn't work right? 
under full warranty, never canceled or rescinded. That means if he ever asked you to do anything, he ain't taking it back. No matter what you did or you didn't do or how bad you messed up or how bad you didn't mess up or how tired you got of doing it, he didn't take it back. No matter what happened in your life, or how many times your bills didn't get paid, or how many times you filed bankruptcy, or how many times you lost your house, or you lost your car, or no matter what, if he told you to preach on prosperity, preach it. Preach on prosperity. now some of you got it. If he told you to preach on prosperity, you do what? Because what you do then is you kick the devil in the BU. Thank you. Because then I didn't have to say it, you see. Do you know how many people failed inventing things and had to get right back up and do them again? The devil don't like it when we learn things. He don't like it when we get back up again and we do it again. Maybe we have made mistakes. People make mistakes. But that don't mean we don't just dust ourselves off and get back up again. You know, Brother Hagin almost died. I mean, he almost died. But what did he teach his whole life? How many of you have been healed by something Brother Hagin taught or you read of Brother Hagin's? Look at this crowd. Look all over this place. Or that you heard Brother Keith say. Brother Hagin or Brother Keith? Raise your hand up real high. I want to see it. I want to see it. Healed. Now, how many people did he kick in the BU? Because he didn't give in. He didn't say, I'm not worthy of this because I almost died. He said, I'm going to make him pay for it double. So you had cancer. So you had sickness in your body. So you had things attack you. God's gifts and God's callings are irrevocable. irrevocable. He still wants to use you no matter what you've done. So you got a divorce. You get down on the floor with the next couple you know and you get your Bible out and you say, God wants a perfect marriage. Now, this part of the crowd said amen. (laughs) So you got a divorce. You get down on the floor with the next group of people that you're around and you say what? God wants you to have a perfect marriage. Because his gifts and callings are irrevocable. Irrevocable. You don't let the devil hold anything over your head in condemnation. When you feel condemnation, that's the day that you should get up and put on your preaching clothes and find somebody to preach to. That's the day. You feel condemned about your healing? Get up. Go to the hospital. Find somebody. Preach healing to them. You feel condemned about your finances? I guarantee you, you can find any number of people that need to hear something uplifting about their finances. God's gifts and callings are irrevocable. irrevocable. But the devil wants to take them away. The first time you miss it, he's going to come immediately and say, Look at you. Ain't you a pretty sight? Ain't you a pretty sight? Do you know what you said to them the other day? You used that cuss word. Did you hear yourself? Here, let me play it back for you. And he's going to remind you how you treated somebody. And he's going to remind you what you did. And he's going to remind you what you said to your boss. And how you mistreated your brother or your sister. Or your cousin or your aunt or your uncle or your mom or your dad or whatever. But what you do is you repent and you get up the next morning and you go preaching. 
Now, maybe you're not getting in the pulpit to preach, but dear me, I wasn't in the pulpit preaching. I was sitting on the floor with a Bible, with one person. That's how I started. That's how we all should be doing. Still, I do it every single day, one person. Every single day, talking to one person. Okay, I got some more for you. Romans 10, you remember? We said, the last time I spoke, what did Romans 10.10 say? Does anybody remember? I'll make Dan give you a hundred bucks. If anybody can re- don't look it up, don't look it up. Okay, ready, go. That he believes unto righteousness. Okay, you owe him a hundred bucks, Dan. Maybe I'll give it back to you. Maybe I'll give it back to you. Maybe I'll give it back to you. We should know our Bibles better than we know TV programs. Especially that one. Believe unto righteousness. So you messed up. What do you do? You repent and you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Na, 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 na. I'm going to tell somebody I'm healed. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I just filed bankruptcy, but I'm going to tell somebody God prospers me. You got to kick the devil in the tail. Or you'll never get ahead. You got to stand up and hold your head up and know who you are in Christ. Now, I'm not saying you go file bankruptcy every day and you pretend like you're not doing anything wrong, but you understand what I'm saying. Things happen in people's lives. Okay? All right. So, um, um, let's see. Uh, I got this in big, bold letters here. You will never be truly happy unless and until you get the focus off of you and begin to help others. You will never be... Write it down. Find you something to write on. Write it in the front of your Bible. Put stars around it, stripes around it. Put it in your phone. Nobody is moving, so they're not writing, they're not doing anything. But that's okay. This is truth. You will never be truly, what's the word? Happy. You will never be truly happy unless and until you get the focus off of you and on to helping others. If all you think about is I'm sick, I'm broke, I'm defeated, my marriage is a wreck. My marriage was a wreck. But I got the focus off of me and began to help others. And God saved my marriage. That was 40, how how many years, does anybody remember? How many subtracted out? 45 years ago? Junior, how how long have you been married? 45 years ago. That was 45 years ago. Now, I could have quit then. Easy. It would have been a lot easier to quit than it was to stay together. But I had to get the focus off of me and on to helping others. If you've got problems in your finances, what do you do? You get Brother Keith's scriptures out there on finances. You may not know how to preach a sermon, but he's got the verses in there. You don't have to find them for yourself. Just get you a little outline and say, look at this one. Look at this one. Look at this one. And you'll stir yourself up the whole time. We got marriage meeting tapes. Go out there. Get them. Find you the verses. Find you somebody that you know is having marriage problems. Go sit down on their living room floor. Get at their kitchen table. Talk to them about it. Find out about healing. Find somebody that's sick. 
Now, don't do it if they don't want to hear it. The Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. But do it if they want to hear it. Okay. Now I want to get into the title of my message. That was just all extra. <laughs> I'm telling you, like keep that. Um, I learned from some of the best, Brother Hagen and Brother Keith and Brother Kenneth. This one says, the title of my message is, My Gift from God. Say, I have a gift, I have a gift from, God. from God. Everybody. That was about half of you. I have a gift. Let's do it all together. I have a gift from God. All right, great. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 in the NIV. I wish, this is Paul talking. I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you, each of you, say each. each. Does that mean everyone? Yes. Each means individually. Each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Put up the other NIV. There's two NIVs because it says it another way. I think I must have had the other one. They're looking. I, mine said, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man, it put it each man so you understood it, has his own gift from God. That means each woman too. Say, each man has his own gift from God. I'm a man or a woman. Say that. I'm a man or a woman, whichever your case, yeah, whatever your case would be. Okay. Okay, look at 1 Peter 4, verse 10. King James. Sorry. I'm flipping them all around today. Read this with me. As what? Has received the gift. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So every man has a gift. And what are they supposed to do with that gift? To who? One another. Every man, look at your neighbor, say, you have a gift. Every man has a gift. Every woman has a gift. Don't let anybody tell you you're not gifted. Our society pulls out certain people and says, they're gifted. Does it not? Pulls out certain ones and says, oh, they're gifted. Put them in the gifted class. But I got news for them. Newsflash. We're all gifted. We're all gifted. The problem is, some of us have developed our gifts, and others have put them in the closet and shut the doors. And some of us don't even know what our gifts are. We're going to find out. You want to find out? I'm so glad. Okay. Um, let's see. First Corinthians, we're going to about to start finding out. First Corinthians 12, verse 4, King James. We're going to read on down to probably verse 12, so y'all be ready. You might want to mark these in your Bible if you're a marker. If you're not, throw that Bible away and get one that you can mark in. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, King James. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. In other words, there's different kinds of gifts. There's different kinds of differences of the way people administrate them. And there's diversities of how people operate in them. Did you get that? Make it simple. All right. But all, but the manifestations of the Spirit is given to but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to... Everyone. But the manifestation is given to... Everyone. To profit who? Oh. The spiritual gifts are given to every man so that the body of Christ will... Profit. profit. All right. For to one is given the Spirit, by the Spirit, the word of... Wisdom. To another, the word of? By the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. By the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all of these works in the same, by the self-same Spirit, dividing to? To who? No, some of you are still not joining in to the playgroup. Now, everybody needs to participate in our playgroup today. All right? Who are they given to? Thank you. Severally, as who wills? He wills. God wills. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members being of one body, being many, are of one body, so also everybody is of Christ. All right? Let's look at another one. I'm going to come back and explain all this in just a minute. Just Can you hang with me just a minute? All right. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. King James. And who has said... Oh, come on, playgroup. And who is set? God set some in the church. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. After that, gifts of healings. After that... Okay, playgroup. After that, what? After that, what? Governments. After that, diversities of tongues. All right? And then let's look at Romans 12, verse 6 in the NIV. Romans 12, 6. Read that first little thing before the comma there. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is what? Then prophesy according to your faith. If it is what? Then serve. If it is what? Then what? If it's what? And then do you do what? All right, then you encourage. If it's what? Giving. Then give what? Generously. If it's to lead, then you do it diligently. If it's to show what? mercy, then do it cheerfully. So let me tell you where the problem starts. You want to know? You want to know why most people don't flow in their gifts? How many of you remember the story of Joseph? Most everybody does. Joseph had a dream when he was a boy, right? That his father and his brothers were going to bow down to him. Now, how old was he, reckon? Young boy. I'm going to say 12-ish, probably, maybe, guessing. I don't know. Young boy. 
And he had this dream that his family was going to bow down to him. Now I have a question for you. Did he wake up from this dream and this happened the next week? Did it happen the next month? No. Did it happen the next year? No. Did it happen the next five years? No. Even ten? No. But... He knew he had a call on his life. And he knew he had gifts in his life. Year after year after year after year. So what did he do? First off, his brothers ready to kill him. They take him out. They're going to feed him to the lions or the wolves or the bears. And Reuben says, no. Let's just throw him in a pit. Because he's going to get him out later and take him home. He went back to get him out, and what happened? They'd sold him to the Ishmaelites. Now, Joseph could have, at that point in time, gotten very, very what? Got a pretty good chip on his shoulder. Got mad at the world. When you're young and know everything, right? You can get a chip on your shoulder real easy, can't you? You know everything more than everybody else. But he had to have kept his heart right. Because he was being groomed by God to do what? And if he had not have grown up through the ranks doing the right thing, he never would have reached that. Now, I'm not saying he never had a bad day. Or ask God why. But he must have passed some tests along the way. But he was being prepared all through his life. After he left there, he went to Potiphar's house. Now, he could have really said some ugly things about Potiphar's wife. What do most people do? They begin suing. The lawsuits come out. But what did he do? He went to jail. Did he keep his heart right? Is he being prepped for his future? On how to deal with people and how to deal with situations? Is he learning about his gifts? dealing with people and dealing with situations. Do you know why people never get to, let's see, um, the diversities of gifts, the diversities of administrations, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, special faith, prophecy, gifts of healings? You know why we're not seeing more of that in the church? Because we're not starting out with our Bibles in the floor. If God can't trust us to put our Bibles in the floor one-on-one, why in the world would he trust us to prophesy to a whole church? If he can't see what we'll do one-on-one, 
why would he trust us to open our mouth to a whole congregation and a TV screen? I'd like to see more of it, would y'all? I'd like to see more gifts of healings and miracles and signs and wonders. It doesn't have to come through Keith and I, but it has to come through people. A, A friend of mine said this. Let's see. I heard him recently say this. I was watching him preaching on um, Brother Copeland's channel, and he said this, Victory Channel. He said, um, your discipline will match your destiny. Now, that was good. But he went on and said some other stuff. Your character will sustain the length of your calling. And this was my favorite. Your personal life dictates your pulpit life. You want me to say them again? Your discipline matches your destiny. Now, did Joseph's discipline match his destiny? And it, but the thing is, people get mixed up. It didn't happen overnight. People think, okay, I can be disciplined for three days. How about 30 years? Well, I don't care if God really uses me or not. I don't want to be that disciplined. I got news for you. It said, every man has a gift. Y'all, how many of you read that? Let's see every hand, every hand, every hand read it. Let's see every hand. Now keep your hands up just for a second. Do you know that when you or 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 you every person in here stand before the Lord? You will stand before the Lord. You will have to answer Did you do your calling or did you not? Now, you don't have to answer to Brother Keith and Miss Phyllis, did you do your calling or not? You can get by with us and we'll say, oh, it's okay. But if we were smart, we'd kick in the the BU (laughs) and say, you know, you are going to answer to the Lord one day, whether you do it or you don't. Get up, get to it. I don't want you to stand before the Lord and and be so upset that you didn't do what he told you to do. What is your gift? What is your calling? What is your place? What are you supposed to be doing? What is your grace? What is your ability? And a lot of times we don't even find out what it is until we start doing what he told us to do when we first got saved. And then he begins to add stuff to us as we go. He begins to add things to us. We've had people come in here, bless their darling hearts. When we first started the church, people came in here and they said, we're supposed to be over your prayer group. I said, I don't even know you. Or we're supposed to be over, we had one guy come in, we're supposed to be over your finance department. I said, not. They just left. So you know they're not supposed to be if they didn't even stay. They're supposed to be? If they're supposed to be, wouldn't they have stayed? Either they're rebelling against God or something. Then we've had come, people come tell us, we're supposed to go start a church. They wouldn't even work in kids, much less pastor a church. We've had people that the kids wouldn't even listen to, much less adults. <laughs> We're going to start a church. Go have at it. You'll find out just how much fun it is to start a church. We've had people come back to us and say, oh, God, we wish we wouldn't have done that. We had one guy call us and say, we did it. Brother Keith, he's crying. My, he said, let me tell you. He said, uh, 
My wife's crying. My kids are crying. We, we're writing a book on how to miss God and go to hell. <laughs> you try to help them. You try to tell them. But they grew up overnight and passed us. You know, you don't... You, and, and my problem with it is, I don't care how many people go and start a church. We need more churches. We need more people getting saved. We need more people doing the will of God. But here's the problem in it. They go out and they start a church. We get calls weekly. A church is closing. And then they get out of the ministry because the devil condemns them that you didn't and you couldn't. And they hang up their hat. We're done. We can't do it. And they refuse to submit to somebody again because they had a call to be a pastor. Or they had a call to be a this. And so now they refuse to come back in because they're ashamed. Let's find out. Let's be a Joseph. Do you, how many in here think Joseph was wise? How many of you think the Lord really, really used Joseph? How many of you think Joseph went through hell? How many of you think you're exempt from going through things? Nobody's exempt. I know even through Keith in my life, we don't get up here and sit down and put our head in the stool and say, oh, God, it's been a horrible week. We can't do this. Oh, God. That's not faith. It's not that we don't want you to know that we've had to go through things. I'll tell you a lot of stuff. But it don't help you to know or give the devil any glory for anything. We, we don't want him getting any glory for anything. That's right. no, no glory. If we think it'll benefit you in some way, we're going to tell you. All right. You know me, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. I'll say, turn off the TV before Keith is. <laughs> cut, 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 cut that out of the tape. I'll tell you. <laughs> but my goal is to help you succeed. Help you be where God wants you to be. Help you accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. There's people constantly saying, I want to God. I need to God. What they should be saying is, God, what do you want? What do you need? We don't serve a God that just we go to and he gives us what we want all the time. We should be going to God and saying, what do you want from me? I've never once lacked for anything, but I'm constantly trying to figure out what's the next thing that he wants me to do. And if you'll get up every single day trying to figure out what he wants me to do, what does he want me to do? Your joy, let's see, where's my verse on it? Let's see. Psalms 51, verse 12 in the Living Bible. I think a lot of people could use this. We're at a time where this last few years has been horrible. But look at this verse. Restore to me again the what? Joy Joy of your salvation. But it goes on to say something else. I won't even read that part. I'll just let you read it. That's what restores your joy. Is that we're willing to do what he asks us to do. I'll read that other again. You will never put that in big, bold letters with stars and stripes and circles. Never be truly happy unless and until you get the focus off of you and on to helping others. I don't care if you're blind, you're deaf, you're mute, 
You can't walk? You find somebody that's at least as bad as you or worse. Mm -hmm. They've given a week to live. And you go minister to them. You say, but i got a job. I don't have time. Okay, tell me one person in here that's not, that hasn't turned on a TV or sat in foot down and read a book or done something this week. Show me your hand. That has not turned on a TV or read a book or done anything pleasurable this week. Show me your hand. You did nothing you enjoyed this week. That's, that's kind of hard for me to believe. Nothing you enjoyed this week. Nothing. Nothing you enjoy. You just read your Bible all week long and ministered to people. There's about, there's some people in here. Now, I'm going to take a census. How many of you believe them? I mean, I find that hard to believe that you did nothing but minister to other people all week long. You didn't sleep. You didn't eat. Did you eat? You ate. That's enjoyable. Do you understand what I'm saying? Did you eat back there? In the hat? Did you eat this week? Yeah. You ate. You found time to eat. You found time to sleep. You had your coffee? Yeah. You, you, did, you did something enjoyable. You found time to do something that you wanted to do. You could skip one meal and minister to somebody. You could fast one meal and do something for somebody else. You could take somebody else your meal. Amen. That's right. Amen. You got two loaves of bread, take somebody one. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, in order for us to find, that the world question is, why are we here? Has anybody ever asked you that? Why are we even here? Well, this is it. This is it. To fulfill our gifts, to fulfill our calls, to fulfill what God calls us to. If we just open the microphone up to everybody just to get up and say everything that they wanted to say, how many of them you think would miss it? How many of you think would miss it? Most of us. Most of us. How many? Everyone. Well, I'm not going to say everyone. Some people, some people do pray. Some people do hear from God. And God can move on people, you know, instantly and give them something instantly. I'd just like to see more of it. I'd just like to see us come in here. And like it says, everyone has a, a song, a hymn, a spiritual song, a word. That when we left here, nobody was sick. Nobody was broke. Everybody was lifted up. Everybody was encouraged. Everybody got the answers that they needed that day. But we don't do it overnight. we got to be willing. Let me read them again. Your discipline matches your destiny. Your character will sustain the length of your ministry. Now let me explain that. That means you can't cuss somebody out all the time. Do you know what character is? Today, people don't even know what a character is. They don't know what godly character is. Godly character is loving somebody when you don't want to. Godly character is when somebody treats you bad like they did Joseph, you love them anyway. Godly character is when they stab you in the back, you buy them an ice cream cone. See, I'm not getting too many amens on that. Godly character is, when they take your coat, you go buy them too. That's godly character. I know about it. I've done it lots. Just this week. Godly character. Your character will sustain the length of your call. You will answer to God for your call. Your personal life dictates your pulpit life. I would like to see every person in here, every person in here, come in here with a song.
a hymn. She could stand up. She's got a song. She needs to sing of the Lord. Right. Yes. The Lord gave it to her. Thank you. And what does it do? Mm. You've had sorrow this week. Mm. And this song just gets in your spirit and lifts you up, yes. sets you on a different course. Thank you, Lord. Because it comes directly from the Lord. Amen. It comes directly from what He has for you. You have a, you have a hymn. You have a word of knowledge. I mean, everybody is doing exactly what the Lord wants them to do that week. Why? Because we spent our time in private doing what He wanted us to do. And when we begin to do that, we're going to come up to a higher level. And higher and higher and higher. Branson, do you hear me? That's you too. Talking to you too, not just Sarasota. That's you too. Okay? Let me read this last verse, last two verses, and then we'll... uh, Well, it's three actually. Or four or five. I just want to read them to you because I think they'll make a difference to you. Romans 11 says, uh, 13, King James. For I speak to you Gentiles insomuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. This is Paul. I magnify mine office. In other words, I magnify my gift. Uh, In the NIV it says this. I make much of my ministry. In other words, he's thinking about his ministry all the time. It's on his mind, what he's supposed to be doing. Okay? Proverbs 18:16. See if this reminds you of anyone. King James. It says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before what? Brilliant. Who's that remind you of? Joseph. Can it do it for you? Your gift will bring you before great men. But it didn't happen with him overnight. And it won't happen with us overnight. We got to start. And we got to keep growing. Some of you is old. You better get started. You're like me. We, We need to get going. We don't have time to waste. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12:31 says this, the NIV. It says, Now eagerly desire greater gifts. How many of you desire greater gifts in our midst? Boy, I do. I desire it. And our last verse for today. 1 Timothy 4, 14 in the King James. You all know it. Just, just the first part of it. Neglect not. Read it with me. Neglect not the gift that's in... Wait a minute. Neglect not. I will neglect not the gift that's what? Let's everybody say it together. I will neglect not the gift that's in me. Now let's try it again, play group. Because everybody's not saying it. Unless you're going to neglect it. If you're going to neglect it, neglect it, don't lie. God sees you anyway. And hey, if you think I'm brutal, you ought to wait till you stand before Him. He is a loving God. But when you stand before Him, he, you are going to answer for what you didn't do. Okay, so I will neglect not the gift that's in me. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. Let's say this together. Say, Father, I ask you. Let's back up. I ask you to come into my heart. I know you sent Jesus for me to die for me, to make a place for me. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for doing that for me. And Lord, I remember when I accepted him and the things you put in my heart. 
I will go back and stir that flame and rekindle that fire and do exactly what you asked me to do. I will neglect not the gifts and the callings that you placed in my heart. I will value them and I will give them place in my life because I know for me to be truly happy, I need to do them. I've searched other things. I've searched other places. But true joy is in you. Thank you, Father, for helping me to recall everything I'm supposed to do. Now, just thank him for it. Thank you, thank you, thank you.